Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is author, screenwriter, and feminist, Jenny Lacote. She's going to share her debut novel, The Girl from the Channel Islands. Welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. I know it is a huge accomplishment to publish a book. It's an astonishment to me, to be honest. I mean, I am no, I am no spring chicken by anyone's, uh, anyone's calculation. And uh, I'd, ne- I'd been writing for about 30 years, but I never wrote a book before. I, well, I attempted a book about 20 years ago that nobody wanted. So I thought a novel was something that I would never get to do. And, uh, and I wrote this thinking that maybe if anyone published it, and, you know, we sold a couple of hundred copies, I'd be very happy. So the fact that it's now on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, my is, gosh. Is kind of is just mind blowing, to be honest. Jenny, that is fantastic. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to get your head around. <laughs> I know. Isn't it interesting, though, how, and I'm the same way, 20 years ago, you wrote something, it was rejected. And then you thought, oh, not meant to be. But something in you said you know what I'm going to give this another shot yeah it was one format that I'd never conquered and I think I was therefore I just wanted to have another go at it and and see if if I had a book in me and when this story came along I just having previously written about the occupation and written the film about um, my family's life during the occupation it just seemed the perfect story the perfect vehicle to, to try and to try and get a book out tell me the process for writing the book had you written in journals before or did you start from the beginning did you start from scratch well, I've, I'd written for publications before. I'd written uh, when I was a stand-up back in the 80s, um, which seems about 400 years ago now. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I, at that time, I did a lot of writing for magazines and newspapers. So I was a feature writer, sort of a think piece writer. Okay. And um, I did a little, a little bit of journalism, but I wouldn't call myself a journalist. I'd never been a, a serious journalist. But um, when I became a full-time TV and film writer in um, in, in the 90s, um, I, after a, a little while, I started to get into doing historical stuff and uh, factually based stories. And I found that I loved that because I always loved history at school. That was always one of my favorite subjects. Really? So, yeah, so to be able to combine those things is, is really interesting. That's a wonderful um, thing. I say that because I don't know a lot of people. I know for me, history was always very boring, but I'm thinking back and I think it was the way it was taught. I agree. I, I think it is the way it's taught. I think um, there's there's too much on the the regulations and the kings and queens or the presidents or whatever it is, and not enough about how ordinary people lived. Yes. And I think social history is fascinating. And I think when you see how many people do actually flock to things like um, you know living museums and and, and events that you know uh, reenact and stuff like that. So I think people are genuinely interested in that if they if they can just if it can be presented in a way that makes it exciting. Yes. I want to back up one second because I didn't want to interrupt you, but you mentioned that you were a stand-up. And That's right, yeah. So you, you worked in the comedy circuit as a feminist stand-up. So you have this tremendous sense of humor. You have a quick wit. What made you decide to write something so serious as opposed to maybe writing comedy? 
<laughs> yeah, if people come looking to this book for laughs, they're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> um, it was a slow process. I mean, I, comedy is still very important to me in my day-to-day life. Um, but writing comedy is, it's kind of a different skill that there is a bit of a relief when you don't have to go for laughs anymore. Although there's different disciplines, obviously, in dramatic writing as well. I started off as a comedy writer, which was a fairly natural progression. And then I kind of went into soaps and then I went into extended dramas. So it kind of happened step by step. And once I got onto the sort of factual historical stuff and realized how much I loved that, I, I do often try and inject some humor into what I'm writing, but not so much with this one. This, this was a pretty serious story. So um, yeah, we're going for the drama here. Did you also feel it was really important for you to capture you, uh, your relatives and your family, what they went through? Yeah, well, there's there's the two different projects, one of which is the film, which is called Another Mother's Son, which is actually out on Prime at the moment. And um, and that was, uh, yeah, that was the story of my family, which is something that I had always wanted, not always wanted a tackle, but probably from my mid 30s, I started thinking it was something that I really wanted to tell the world. There were so many people who didn't know anything about the occupation of the Channel Islands and so many false narratives about it, uh, silly rumours that you know, everyone collaborated and that, that people didn't really suffer. And I knew that wasn't true. So I thought the best way to do it was to use my craft, such as it was, to, to tell the story. And, and it was a fairly extraordinary story of my great aunt and various siblings on my mum's side of the family. Um, who harboured this escaped Russian slave worker and, uh, and, and kept, she kept him in her house for two years. Uh, sadly, sadly got caught and it's, it's not a happy ending. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I really wanted to get the story out there. And it was, uh, and, and then of course the book was another Channel Island story where I felt I could use a lot of the background of occupation information and history that I'd researched for the film, but you don't necessarily get into a film script because that's a different format. Sure. So your great uncle was the only British survivor? Of Belson. Yes. yes, that's right. He was the only British guy who came out alive at the end of the war. And the really extraordinary thing about that, actually, if you're looking at bizarre sort of coincidences, um, is found out a number of years ago that my husband's grandfather, was actually one of the liberators of Belson. Really? Yeah. So that means that, I mean, there were thousands of people there. It's unlikely that they ever met. But to think that somewhere, you know, 80 years ago, that our two families were, were bonded in that way is, is extraordinary, I think. That is. I really do love how you intertwine your love of history, uh, you know, nonfiction, your life, facts of your life, your family, but also fiction. Yeah, well, um, the, the Girl from the Channel Islands is more fictional than the film um, for the simple reason that we didn't have that much information. Um, we know that the, the bones of the story, the foundations of the story are true, and that's all documented. We know that Hedy arrived in Jersey in 1938, having escaped the Angelus. And we know that she initially worked for a family and then when she was trapped there by the occupation in 1940, she did get a job working for the Germans, even though she was classified as Jewish, which is bizarre. Nobody knows quite how that could have occurred. 
And as, um, as a result, she used that situation to her advantage and, uh, and stole from them. Mm. Um, and then when that became a serious problem, she, was, she did go into the house with Dor- Dorothea, one of the other characters in the story, and uh, Dorothea took care of her for the rest of the war. And, the, and they were also assisted and probably kept alive by the help from Hedy's uh, German officer boyfriend. Mm. So it, it is an extraordinary story, but there was a, a certain amount of fictionalization which had to occur because we only really knew the basics of that. This is incredible. I mean, now that the movie, does it go hand in hand? Tell me about how that idea came um, the, They don't really go hand in hand, except that they are both set in the same place and in the same period. Okay. Um, there are thousands of stories that came out of this tiny little selection of, of four, really four Channel Islands, um, which is Jersey and Guernsey being the main ones, Alderney, which was effectively a concentration camp during the war, and Sark, which was also occupied. Um, and in these tiny islands, so many extraordinary stories came out. And there's probably many others that I think, that there's, a, there's a couple of other novels that have been written over the years um, about other, other real characters and things that happened because it, they were the only British territory to be occupied during mm-hmm. the war. And um, because so much was not known about them for so long, some of those stories have really only emerged in the last 10 or 20 years. Incredible. I don't you think the timing of this book is interesting in that, you know, I mean, you were making fun of your age and all that, but I feel as you get older, you need things to settle in a little. It gives you a chance to digest it a little more, process mm. a little more. And I think you become a better writer. Well, yes, I think that's certainly true. I think writing is is one of those things that you need to practice a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been doing it professionally for thirty years, and I always say that I feel like I'm just starting to get the hang of it. Really, um, it's it's like any other craft. You know, you have to do it a lot and for a long time. And mm-hmm. if you're not looking back at something you wrote five years ago and thinking, "Oh, I wouldn't do that now," then you know, you need to have a talk to yourself, really. Yeah. But also in terms of the subject matter, I think the um, I think you're right about things settling in. When I was a kid, I wasn't really interested in the occupation or the history of the island mm-hmm. because I, to me, it was ancient history. This was stuff yeah. that happened 15, 20 years ago. And when you're a kid, that's forever ago. Yeah. So uh, people would talk about the occupation and they would talk about stories that happened. And I would sort of roll my eyes and go out and play and play hopscotch on top of the very German bunkers that had been the fortifications. Um, but once we got to the 1990s and we had the 50th anniversary of liberation and there were documentaries um, that were on national TV and members of my family were coming up, their photographs were coming up as people who were sort of heroes of this period. Amazing. And that was and that was when I started thinking, you know what, this is actually a huge story and I really should pay attention to this. Yeah. But even then it took me a long time to write it because, you know, it was a daunting prospect. And you have to be ready for something like that, I think. I, I love how you've written for so many different things, um, for newspapers, women's magazines, like Cosmopolitan, The Observer. Uh, you've worked in TV, you worked as a TV radio presenter sitcoms. I mean, I feel these are incredible skill sets. 
they're, they all have they have a bit of an overlap I guess all of them and yeah. you you learn something that you can take into every job but uh, I think writing is the first time that I've really settled down and paid proper attention I think for a number of years I was kind of flitting about from one thing to another and probably not doing any of them that well I mean I was doing well enough to get other jobs right. but um, I think you really have to focus on something at some point but if you do that too early you can get trapped in something that may not be your best thing I'm glad I left stand-up when I did because I don't think I was ever going to be the kind of stand-up that I wanted to be mm -hmm. I did pretty well I had 11 good years and I got That's a long time yeah and I got nominated for an award at the Edinburgh Festival and it, it was nice exactly. and I don't I, I mean I would never change those days they were wonderful wonderful days when that whole scene was just starting in London I used to play the comedy store you know probably once a month it was it was it was really great I love it but but I wouldn't want to be doing it now <laughs> oh, of course of course where can people find out more about the book and you Okay. Um, well, if you uh, if you Google the girl from the Channel Islands, you'll find plenty online about the book now and plenty of reviews. We've had lots of bloggers doing reviews, which has been great. Um, I have a website, jennylacote.com, um, and they can find out a little bit of background information about me there. Um, and of course, if you want to buy the book, which would be very nice indeed, <laughs> then um, I'm asking everyone if they can to support their local independent bookshops, because right. those places have really struggled. All small businesses have struggled so much during the pandemic. And uh, of course, it is available online and it is available, um, I'm very pleased to say, in places like Barnes and Noble and Costco and Target as well. But it would be great if people could go and support that person who's been running the bookshop you know, yeah. on the other side of town that perhaps you drive past sometimes, it would be great to go in and support them. That's wonderful. Quick question though, speaking of the pandemic, how are you doing where you are? Well, we've had a terrible pandemic in this country um, and it's kind of interesting which governments have had the worst pandemics in the Western world um, and how they've handled it. Um, I, I won't go into the politics of that because um, I'll, I'll be here for a long time. Um, but Thank I'm very you. pleased to say that the one thing that has gone fantastically well over the last couple of months is our wonderful NHS has uh, rolled out the vaccine. And I actually got my first vaccine this afternoon. Oh, good. So that's like the best thing, you know, that, that was um, that was for me as good as getting to the top of the um well not the top but getting into the new york times bestseller list that's just that's just just as much of a celebration as far as i'm concerned yeah. uh, well this is an incredible you know event in your life cherish it i'm sure there's gonna be many more projects ahead of you well, yeah, maybe I'm working on another book at the moment, which is um, about uh, about Jersey after the occupation and looking at the aftermath and how it affected the generations afterwards. So, um, so yeah, if we'll we'll see how that goes. But I'm, I'm in the middle of that at the moment, so it's uh, it, it's it's an uphill <laughs> it's an uphill sure. battle trying to get that story wrestled down. But um, hopefully, in a, in a couple of years, maybe I'll be back to talk to you about that. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much, Jenny. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, it's been great. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it too.